Hello and welcome to the PropTech Hot Seat on iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon, the show where we explore the trends and technologies driving innovation across the built environment. This show is brought to you in partnership with PropTech Ireland, the hub for innovators, investors and indeed for industry leaders. In the PropTech Hot Seat today is Scott Langbein, Global Director at Topcon Positioning Systems. Scott, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Hello, Carol. Thanks. Uh, thanks for inviting me on. Um, I'm delighted we've spoken to a number of your colleagues in Top uh, in Topcon in the past. Uh, so I'm delighted that you were in a position to join us. I know you're joining us from Northern California today, so we appreciate the time and effort that that took. So thank you so much. Um, Scott, I mentioned there that you're, you're uh, joining us in the capacity of Global Director at Topcon Positioning Systems. And we're always curious, before we even launch into a conversation about the Topcon offering, I'm always curious um, about the state of tech adoption across the construction industry and particularly where Ireland ranks in that. So you might just give us an overview as to tech adoption in general across the construction industry. Sure, sure. It's a it's a great question. Pretty broad, uh, pretty broad uh, uh, topic. But I, I, I think that what we see from Top Gun and we are we are a global organization. We have uh, distribution and engineering around the world. Um, we have certain specialties in earth moving and uh, geo positioning, as well as agricultural positioning as well. I would say in construction, um, the, the challenges we see, uh, the trends that we see are that the, the customers know that they want to go through a digital transformation. The customers are hearing about it, you know, shows like yourself, other publications they're hearing and seeing this topic of digital transformation. So a lot of construction companies are going to trade shows or sending somebody from their company to go find out what the heck they, you know, what, what does this mean for me? And <clears throat> because the construction industry is so broad, there are some very sophisticated construction companies that we know of, and then there are less sophisticated all the way to a, a mom and pop or a father son construction company that also faces that digital transformation challenge. So many of them are jumping in with new software applications, <clears throat> excuse me, new CAD tools or modeling tools, or even tracking your, your human uh, resources and your time cards. Some really fantastic tools and applications out there that construction companies are starting to use, but um, they're really, I have to admit, they're, they're struggling a bit on uh, maintaining um, all of these various applications, all these different softwares and pieces, and they're they're having a they're having a hard go of it, really, to uh, to make it efficient. Yeah, yeah it, I mean, it's interesting because what we've seen, particularly, uh, and what I'm always curious about as well, is when we look at different regions and different countries, there, while the the trajectory is the same. The pace at that at which the adoption um the pace of digital adoption is very different, but the drivers can be very different as well in terms of local and regional regulations um and generally the restrictions put on on uh, money financing these projects. So the drivers can be very different. So in mm -hmm. terms of you know you mentioned there a particular speciality say in terms of earth moving and we know um in the context of. Uh, the ongoing carbon conversation we're having, that that's particularly interesting. So what are you seeing as some of the key drivers of digital adoption right now? Well, as you mentioned, I think you mentioned the, the standards or regulations. Governments have um, started to take a role in 
uh, mandating uh, beyond just the machine efficiency, but uh, looking at an overall project, uh, whether it's a building project or an earth moving project, trying to uh, ask the contractor to measure or report. Actually, the, the correct terminology that I see in the, in the industry is they're asking them to report on carbon emission. And that leaves a really wide gap before the reporting. <clears throat> the big gap is how do I record that information or how do I uh, track it? And you need to have, uh, you need to have a plan uh, per company and per project to, to be able to measure is the old phrase that you can't manage what you don't measure. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have to put together some better, um, better standards of how uh, people are able to measure so that we're able to compare on a fair basis, you know, project to project, how the two projects compared. Uh, but the measuring is the measuring of carbon emissions and the measurement of uh, machine activities, the measurement of all of your uh, supply chain pieces coming into a building, you know, trying to prove the, the carbon uh, footprint of a new, new structure um, is really, re really challenging for our, for our construction uh, colleagues and customers. You know, it, it's interesting. You're talking about the, the gap that has to happen prior to reporting and knowing still that that um that's a very imperfect it's a very imperfect way that we're getting to reporting it actually maybe raises question marks over the benchmarking then that we're doing which is based on that reporting when we see the gap before that and look we might come back to talk about that in the context of sustainability um but what i'm really keen to talk to you about today i've watched um a demo of uh the topcon positioning systems new aptex integration platform and it's it's particularly compelling given that you described um some of the the parties trying to adopt tech as struggling and we know that that's true we're we're in a position where there's a lot of choice and people maybe don't understand how the different systems work well together and integrate so you might just talk us through for anybody who hasn't seen it but i will of course link to the demo video um the aptex integration platform what is it and how does it work yeah um so I, when I mentioned that, you know, the, the construction industry is struggling, I mean that in all due, res good due respect, it's, it's a legitimate challenge with all of the software applications that have come out to the market in the last 10 years. Um, so from a high level, Aptics, it connects the things that should be connected. It's a very easy way to think, think it through that if you're a construction company and you're running um, CAD software and uh, design software, scheduling software, uh, machine management, material management software, you, you could end up with an ongoing organization running with 20 different software pieces that each do a very good job on what, what they're, they're supposed to do. So that's why we've seen construction companies adopt these applications. But what, what they're faced with now is they've got this information at 20 different applications but they're not connected and the data is not uh, being used and stored in a way that benefits the overall uh, company. So Topcon has invested in this integration platform, which doesn't replace these applications. So it's important to understand that an integration platform doesn't replace the, the very useful applications and softwares that a construction company is using. It simply connects them together. It's an additional layer in my mind, it's it's at the top of the page. It's the layer that connects all of the other uh, pieces in the organization. So um, we 
we know that it, it simplifies the, the challenge. Uh, it, it brings an easier uh, view of your construction project or your construction company operations and uh, hopefully makes, makes this data management challenge um, an easier one to, to, uh, to get a handle on, get a handle on. Yeah. And um, Scott, without being flippant, does the industry know? I mean, I, I, I think it's, I, I think that's a very compelling way to say it. It connects the things that ought to be connected, but does the industry know of all the systems it's using? Um, do they know what needs to be connected? Because the, we are talking about a very early stage of tech adoption where people are, trialing and piloting and maybe using new systems and they don't have an expectation that those systems speak to each other uh it's a very very good question i can tell you we had a conversation as a management team yesterday about <clears throat> what do we need to provide with aptics and i think the question you just asked points to that that we because we have some experience with the uh, all around the world we'll find a customer that's uh, committed to learning and changing their organization in the pursuit of being more digital, we, Topcon, need to find a way to provide that information as well as the product called Aptics. So there is, um, we, we look at it as a, a kind of an, an adoption challenge because a, a customer can take on Aptics and start using it, but it, it, it is a new approach, connecting the things that previously weren't and believe me, they, these companies have been operating successfully. I'm, I'm not you know, here to say that they're not successful, but um, Aptix is an additional layer on top of that that just pulls out the efficiencies and, and makes it uh, very visible to the organization of what management choices they need to make on making the project run better. Um, so it's, it's interesting that we, we're, we're figuring that out now. You know, what, what do we need to bring the information and the training and the, the best practices um, to bring to the industry with the product um, and also look at other organizations, professional organizations of, you know, general contractor organizations or societies of uh, engineers, you know, how, how are we going to educate the market that uh, these, these integration platforms and the, the multitude of applications uh, can really run better, uh, can really be connected and run better. Um, I, I think you made the point very well that actually uh, you're integrating current systems being used, um, not replacing any. And so I think it's important to stress here that we're not just talking about a platform for existing Topcon positioning systems tools. So actually you are bringing in ones that um, at an industry level might look like competitors, whereas actually um, they're systems that do very different jobs and different functions on and off site for for the industry. Um, how does that process work? I mean, is there is there almost a cultural challenge that that needs to be overcome there as well? Yeah, there there's two good point. There's there's a cultural challenge and then there's pure technical challenge. The the technical challenge is becoming easier, and you you may have you may hear people refer to APIs or the API economy. Um, so most modern software applications today do provide an API uh, connection to their data or to their application. And that's where the integration platform really shines. Aptix uses that API logic to connect multiple applications to our platform at the same time. So that's the technical part. And 
I'm not a coder. I'm not a developer. So I, I don't give enough credit to the development team of how hard that is. But they, um, to me, when I see these other software applications in the industry publishing their API uh, menu or stack, I'm happy to see that, that they're willing to work with others. So I, I think it's important from a technical point of view, when our customers are looking at softwares to use, you know, they need to consider that. Like, can this software work with other softwares? And that should be a, a decision that they, uh, or something they look at when they're making a decision on what to use. Um, the, the, pre the second point there is the culture, uh, the culture change. Um, that's, that is the, the biggest uh, challenge to uh, maintaining use or adopting something new. Um, I've, I've sat in large rooms where, you know, you hear the theory of it has to be a top-down mandate and it has to, has to work from the top. The boss has to agree. And then the next boss has to agree. I, I agree to some extent, but I also feel that to really benefit from some of these new uh, connections, you simply have to turn the other stuff off. You have to say like, we're not going to let that connection happen. Like, you have to say, we're not going to let the business be run by Excel anymore. You know, so uh, we we have to have that cultural change within the organization. And then uh, a really good point was made in two weeks ago at the uh, International Highway Engineer uh, Conference is you have to protect your change makers. So when there's somebody in a construction company who's passionate about technology and digital adoption, that is a change maker within that organization. And you have to protect that person because that person is going to take risks. And sometimes they're not always going to work. You know, something the, the first time they try won't work. And if you if you don't protect that change maker, your culture is not going to change. Your culture is not going to the business culture of that, that company is not going to change to adopt these uh, new technologies. Um, that's that is such a powerful message. Protect your change makers. Actually, one of the conversations we've had only in very recent weeks, and it was around a conversation for tech adoption um, for planning departments within local governments. And one of the one of the realizations is that within a local authority, a local government setting, there is no willingness to fail there's no ability for people to fail and i mean i'm i'm saying fail really there's there's no ability then to integrate and allow the natural process which we know are some things work some things don't i'm not even sure fail is the right word for it but there's no not only there's no appetite there's actually no capacity for it and mm -hmm. actually if you've no capacity to get things wrong then you've got no capacity to innovate and that's it i mean it there's a direct correlation there and um, so it's really interesting and i think um you know protect your change makers should really be the mantra for all innovators because whether they're happening at a public or private sector large organization or small um we we've seen that this willingness to get things wrong is really if that's not enabled then you just won't have the the uh, tech adoption that you need and i think with construction because it's such a low margin business that sometimes it's not an ego or an, or an unwillingness to get it wrong it's really that there isn't the margin to get it wrong to any great extent mm. um and in a way i think that's why we've seen some smaller companies being able to take the lead because their margins are not so tight as some of the larger companies so it's been really interesting to see the dynamic of players in the industry change over the past five to ten years 
purely because of tech adoption and the pace at which they were able to do it and the agility to turn things around when things aren't going well. Um, By the way, I just in terms of the boss has to agree top down approach, we actually had a situation in our own company when we switched to a very expensive special special um software that was falling short on the communications i loved it as uh as again from a manager point of view and at all the tools and all the reporting we wanted the team refused to give up slack and mm-hmm. and to me it did not make sense to be paying for this expensive software and then still using slack and still having to and the team the team revolted. They would not. They would not yeah, um, yeah. because of the shortcomings in the existing. And, and since then, <laughs> that was fed back into the software provider. Since then, they have actually integrated with Slack because our experience was not unique. Yeah, and I think it's yeah. really interesting. Anybody who thinks that tech, particularly on a construction site, is going to be top down, then that is doomed to failure because yeah. actually... If you don't make lives easier for those on and off site and those on the road between sites, then it's not going to be adopted. There is just yeah. no way. Um, so I think the top down approach just doesn't work in a construction. Uh, you you have a global perspective, but what are you seeing in terms of because so much of this is culture change as well? You know, can you can you point to examples of what you think does work when we're talking about creating a culture shift? Yeah, so in the 15, 20 years that I've been observing uh, construction projects, you know, we, in my mind, there was, um, there's been a change and in, in it's, it's been slower than expected. I, I guess I would have to admit, I'm uh, surprised it's, it's changed. But if you look back at the measurement methods and um, really just measuring one point at a time, you know, going, we, we call it the discrete point measurement. It used to be you had a, a surveyor or a field engineer who would put a piece of wood in the ground, right, to mark a point in the construction project. And when we started as a technology company telling folks, you don't need to do that. You don't need to put stakes in the ground for grading. We The machine can automatically grade. Gosh, they didn't believe us. They didn't believe us back then 20 years ago. So uh, we had to prove it. And I, I think it's the resiliency of, of our organization and other technology companies that are just a little bit extra passionate about construction that we're willing to go back again and again to talk to a construction company to say, do you remember the day when you had to put a wooden stake in the ground to manage the grade of your project? Of course they remember. But now you look at a job site and there aren't any stakes because the machines are blade controlled and you had automated machine guidance on so many, so many machines. So, you know, what, what we're seeing is a now a next level of automation where for it took, you know, many, many years for Topcon to convince our users that we can control your blade or the bucket. We can we have technology that will integrate with that machine and control the blade and the bucket of that machine. And you will have fantastic results, production results. What we're saying now in very simple terms is we now have a platform that will automate your business processes. So we're looking to, rather than just control the blade position, we're now looking at controlling your business uh, operation. Um, I, oh, that's almost too big when you take it as a whole, but breaking it down, 
Um, in terms of the, the tech adoption, you describe a slower than expected over 15 to 20 years, but that's almost taking a linear approach. And we know that adoption doesn't work like that. So uh, where had the jumps been um, like pre and post COVID? Because, you know, I, I it may be a case that where we are now is not as far as where you expected to be 15 or yeah. 20 years ago. But we know that there have been jumps and, and uh, jumps that have been, um, I, I, I don't think we can use the word exponential, but they've definitely been disproportionate maybe to ones we saw at different points. If you point to pre and post COVID, where are, where are you seeing those jumps? When did the industry really start to take notice? That's a good question. Where would I have seen the... So if we try to shorten the timeline, looking back just prior to COVID, um, you know, the construction, infrastructure construction, especially infrastructure projects were absolutely necessary. So we, we you know, we all, we all got a little nervous. I was at the uh, Con Expo show in March of 2000 in Las Vegas, massive construction show. And we all went home a day early because COVID was coming in and the schools were going to close the next week and all that. But after we all were a little panicked for a few weeks, the construction industry had to get back to work. Um, so what we, you know, if you remember that, you know, the, the social distancing, staying, um, uh, keeping track, what, what I really liked, it, it, I think COVID helped accelerate the adoption of that, that measurement gap. Remember in, early in our conversation, I said the measurement gap for CO2 emissions. Well, there's also a measurement gap um, for your man hours or tracking your, your, the, the, your time cards for your people. And, the, and you can do that in a very loose way. At the end of the week, you ask Bob, Bob, how many hours did you work on this project? And Bob can tell you at the end of the week. Or you use a measurement system to track Bob's time. And what we saw in COVID, we saw technologies pop up that were willing to be used or the, the construction companies were willing to use them to better track. So they were tracking uh, their machines better with telematics. They were being able to run automatic reports on what their machines were doing, their tool time, you know, whether the tools were being utilized, their man hour time. And they were able to, they, they felt compelled to measure it so that they could prove that they were doing the right thing for their employees and not exposing them to um, too much COVID exposure or, you know, somebody, uh, somebody had COVID and exposing 20 other people, you had to measure, like you, you can't just, you know, you can't just wing it and say, Oh, well, somebody had COVID and I don't know who else was on the project, but um, so we, we became much more willing to measure, uh, measure what was going on in the project is, is that, that that's that just came to mind quickly, Kara. I, yeah. I don't know. No, no, but that's, that's through, an interesting uh, one. Yeah. Were you able to use? Were you able to use that opportunity maybe to to um, distinguish between or, or maybe compare the assumptions that people had before they actually started measuring, and then those assumptions compared with the data, what with what with the data was telling them? Was there a gap? Yeah, well, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing now, like literally today with 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 the optics is um, usually there's a there's a high level of intuition, intuitive intelligence in construction. So a high level of experience, the people that are, are estimating a project and putting together the plan of execution are very experienced. They're, they're the few in the company that have been there forever and ever. 
they have an assumption in many cases of what it's going to take to do the next project. If you're not measuring what's going on throughout the entire project, you're never going to know for sure. I mean, you can, you can get to the end of the project and realize that, you know, that there's, there's some material left over or money left over, but um, measuring that benchmark um, and adjusting the benchmark per project is critical in, especially in those tight, um, those tight margin uh, projects that you were, you were mentioning that, um, <clears throat> but I like to say, you know, when, when would it not be beneficial? Even if, if you're, let's say you're doing some, some uh, road paving project and there's, there is a margin in there. It's, it's re related to the amount of asphalt you're paving. So there's a bit of a margin. Why would you not want to measure what's going on every bit of the, every step of the way so that you know you can bid it better next time? So I, I don't, I don't think it ever comes down to why would you not do it? It's, it's that there's a cost involved in everything. So the trade-off yeah. is the cost. Will there be a return? Because actually that's one distinction I found between say in terms of um, uh, innovation and, and tech adoption and, and non-tech uh, innovation mm -hmm. across, there's a big difference between real estate and construction in this real estate doesn't like to spend money unless it can be seen. So it's a very market first, uh, very visible. Whereas construction, it's very ROI. It's, it's absolutely down to the return on investment. So it's not, I, I don't think it's a case of firms. Why would they not do it? It's, yeah. Can yeah. you can you make the business case for it? Can you show the return? And if you can show the return on investment, then it will absolutely be done. And that's a key distinction between the drivers uh, and <laughs> the enablers of tech adoption in construction and real estate. Construction is very uh, data led in terms of the return on investment. Um, so it, it, it's it's enabling that. And I suppose you know it, it's interesting actually. Um, I was at a presentation with them. Um, Global contract, uh, global a uh, global uh, cost consultants Turner and Townsend recently, and um, Bryn Griffith, the speaker there, talked about the two currencies of construction now: one being cash and one being carbon, which was just so powerful. And so, actually, when we talk about return on investment, we're no longer just talking about the return on investment in terms of cash, but actually, it's carbon, and that's something that we weren't able to account as easily in our bank balances previously. So I'm, I'm conscious of your time here, but you might just talk to us about the capability for, um, I, I suppose, for carbon measuring, because that's such an important part of this. Is sure. this covered under the Aptix integration platform? Yeah, Aptix has uh, uh, two, two functions that really help the carbon emission measurement and reporting. Uh, we're able to uh, do mixed fleet uh, telematics tracking. So you're, you're probably quite familiar with the, the brands, Caterpillar, Komatsu, John Deere, uh, Liebherr, different brands that are out there running. These machines are typically connected. There's a, there's a data connection to them to track, but each of them have their own telematics ecosystem or their, think of it as a screen on a, a computer screen. So if I need to track John Deere, I go to the John Deere system and I track my John Deere machines. And then I go over to Komatsu and I track there. Aptics can pull all of those machine types, large machines, small machines, into one dashboard location um, to track the machine activity. So there we're able to track the fuel, fuel burn, which equates over to our carbon emissions. And <clears throat> the second aspect is it's able to automate the reporting of that. So because the machines are digitally connected to Aptics, 
the report just naturally generates. It's a graph in the bottom right-hand corner, and it simply shows you what all your machines have been doing, and you just hit a drop-down menu and say, I want to see where am I, plan versus actual. So your baseline talk you mentioned before, baseline plan versus actual perform, and you can see it clear as day, and you can sort by date, time, specific machine, specific operator, um, a certain type of task. You can sort and quickly get to the get to the, the, the detail of what is causing me extra uh, fuel burn and therefore what is causing me extra CO2 emission that maybe I didn't plan for uh, you know, clearly enough in the beginning. So um, we're finding that, um, that, that that trend is a bit more solid in Europe, that we're seeing the European um, construction companies needing to adopt that. Uh, so far in the US, that it's a little less on um, needing to track, but uh, we're, we're we're evangelizing it in the U.S. To, to get those early adopter construction companies embracing their carbon emission tracking of all their machines. Very good. Um, and, you know, again, this was, comes back to our conversation about the drivers. And I think, um, interestingly, it wasn't even the regulations across Europe that was driving. It was uh, the, it was the regulations on funds. And so it was the money coming into <clears> projects <throat> that was yeah. really uh, one of the early drivers, which is not usual. Um but it was it was an interesting it was an interesting observation to see. Um, Scott, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Final question today. Um, just because we are always trying to spot the opportunities for prop tech and construction tech startups. Um, in terms of your integration platform, how receptive are you to innovators and early stage um prop tech and construction technology companies? actually uh, being uh, integrating on your platform? Very open. We we have a dedicated um, space in the product for our integration marketplace. And um, believe me, I'm I'm open. The, our management team is open. And TopCon knows that innovation happens in, in sometimes very small organizations or a one-man band innovation. We're, we're very much open because we we need to stay connected and we need to connect to those new innovation pieces. I'm delighted to hear that. And I would encourage anybody involved in um, a prop tech or construction technology startup that would be relevant here, maybe to check that out. But we will, of course, um, include a link to the demo video because it's particularly interesting and it will show people maybe the capability that they're just not even aware of. I think, you know, Scott, I, I'm going to sum I'm going to sum up the platform and, and please correct me uh, if you need, but I'm going to sum it up as correcting the things that should be it should be connected. And so essentially we want to make sure that the industry knows of the current technologies they're using and the ones that they're exploring right now, that they understand that these systems um, and technologies should really be communicating together and that the, the this might be the right platform to do it. Um, did I summarize that? Did I summarize I, that accurately? I, I think I think you do. We're, we're, it's, <laughs> it's all about integration and connections. Yes. Yeah. So so technology mirroring real life. I like it. Uh, <laughs> Scott, thank you so much. That was Scott Langbein, Global Director at Topcom Positioning Systems. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank if you. you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out all of the other real estate and construction shows on iProperty Radio. Before we go, a special word of thanks to our sponsor, PropTech Ireland, for supporting the podcast and for making these conversations possible. And thank you indeed for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode of the PropTech Hot Seat here on iProperty Radio. 